are caught in a marsh. Welcome back, Metalheads, to the Thunderdome Metal Reviews. And if you couldn't tell by that wonderful intro, wonderful in quotation marks, um, this week we're going to be talking about the last of the quote-unquote class of 86, Anthrax is Among the Living. I am Ben Lindsay, and with me as always is Tracy Newport of Cloaca Metal Hammer Reviews. How are you doing today, Tracy? I'm doing good, pretty good, Mr. Lindsay. Not yeah, too shabby. Good, Mr. Lindsay. <laughs> for calling you Mr. Lindsay. Mr. Lindsay. <laughs> Sir, Mr. Lindsay, make it so, British. Yes, indeed. So, we're here. We are, you know, this is not the class of 86, because as everybody knows, this actually came out in 87, but it is considered part of that canonical, incredible run of the big four albums. Initial impressions, my friend. Well, you know, like we've already done... We did Master of Puppets a while ago, it seems like. Master. Yeah. Then we touched up with Megadeth, and recently just did the Slayer one, and now we're finishing it up with Anthrax. Um, before we do, do you want to do the band members for this album? Since of the big four, Anthrax is, I think, the most turnover, and then Megadeth. Uh, Megadeth probably has them beat at this point, but sure. True. Um, so, rhythm guitar, Scott Ian, drums, Charlie Benate, bass, Frank Bello, vocals, Joey Belladonna, and only his second um, album with the band, and their third album overall. Dan Spitz on lead guitar, and he also played the acoustic guitar on this album. It was re- released on March 22nd of 1987. It has a runtime of 50 minutes and 13 seconds, and it was on Island Records. Alrighty, and so this is another one of those that fall under the Def Jam label, like Slayer did, or was that Death Row? Um, no, Slayer was Def Jam. Okay, because on <clears throat> Spotify it's showing 1986 the Island Def Jam Music Group as the copyright for it, and that's all. Seems like, hmm. so yeah, like Def Jam. I, I don't know that the that. This island was a part of that at the time. Maybe it was. I'm not sure. Because um, Megaforce Island is what I have it listed as. Gotcha. Because I was about to say, like, damn, Def Jam's kind of got their fingers in all kinds of music that's really groundbreaking and, you know, changing the sonic perspective for a lot of the nation at the time. Between this and their work with hip-hop and... Yeah, like I said, I'm not sure um, if Def Jam was part of the... Um, ownership group for Megaforce or Island at the time, or if that happened later. I don't really know, Brain. <laughs> Alrighty, Pinky. <laughs> We're going to do what we always do and take over the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to your question of initial thoughts. Um, Anthrax was probably... I got into him before I did Slayer, but after Megadeth and Metallica. And I feel like Anthrax is of the big four... I would say I think you kind of have a progression of like Anthrax Metallica kind of being the more, well, I'll start the other way. Like Slayer is definitely the fastest, heaviest, speediest guys. And the Megadeth kind of in between Anthrax Metallica and Slayer. And like Megadeth is the bridge. And so I feel like Anthrax is more on the side similar to Metallica and that. Mm. And Anthrax does have the history it was after these releases, especially when Bush joined in, where they kind of ventured into newer realms. They did some stuff with Run DMC, hip hop, and kind of laid some of the groundwork where it would become officially new metal. Yeah, which they did that before um, John Bush joined the band. Oh, I thought they had done it 
prior or afterwards. No, no. Uh, Joey was still um, in the band when they did all the stuff with um, gotcha. well, it was Public Enemy, not Run DMC, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Run DMC is Aerosmith. Oh, and to Lord. me, that's the comp. To me, Anthrax. Again, I'm not disputing there that they are a metal or a thrash band because they unequivocally are but if you look at the way that they structure their songs there's a little bit of just good old-fashioned rock and roll to it that is not necessarily there um i think you can look at metallica past the black album and kind of see some of that same songwriting construction but i feel that it, it has always been a part of anthrax yeah i would agree and looking at this album you can tell it does have some songs where it's just definitely the get into a mosh and go at it and then you have some songs that are kind of less less thrashy, I guess. And you can say the more rock, like the, I'm not going to try and pronounce the thing, NFL. You wouldn't be confessing. Okay. <laughs> just, just, it's, it's nice fucking life backwards. You will leave confessing. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I never made that connection. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm here for, to be the old yeah. dude who knows these things. Thank you. Yeah. And like you have like their old classic rock style with medley, imitation of live. Warm World kind of straddles both sides. But as for this album as a whole, in terms of the big four and with other we've looked at it, I feel like this one may be, I think it's better than Peace Sales, in my opinion. But I don't think it quite lives up to Master of Puppets or Rain and Blood. Huh, Okay. Um, but I, I will say older me has probably listened to among the living more than I have master puppets or peace cells. I, I have a distinct feeling that you like this album much better than I do. Oh, wow. Uh, probably. And I think part of it is we'll go ahead and kind of work our way on the albums. Cause I feel like this is one where you have a queer distinctive a side and a B side. And I feel like the a side and I think it cuts off at A Skeleton in the Closet, Indians, correct? Kind of yes, Indians was the first track on side two, if you were looking at it. I don't know that this was released in vinyl, but if you're looking at the cassette, it would have been Indians that was track two. Okay. So, like, um, so they start off fucking awesome. I feel like Among the Living, Cotton Amash, and I Am the Law are, like, three awesome just one, two, three punch kind of kick you into the album mm-hmm. and getting you through the... Evil Nick Hufessen and a skeleton in the closet kind of deviate a little bit from him. I feel like a skeleton in the closet is the weakest track on the album. But then like Psy 2 kicks in and you've got Indians, which is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> no, I agree. That's a great song. And then uh, Warm World is just pretty nice, but I feel like Melody and Imitation Life are kind of the bringer downers for it. Melody, I feel like, takes kind of carries on a little bit longer than it should let me look but, at something okay but i feel like you know the b side is probably the weak is definitely the weaker side of this album but i feel like this album has really phenomenal highs but it also kind of has some really low points so yeah if you're looking at it i was wondering why we we're calling it medley because that's what it's listed as if you look at it on spotify um adi horror of it all is um okay. i didn't know if this the track um, and that was, uh, that's important because that was the, the song that they wrote in tribute to, um, oh, fuck, I just forgot his goddamn name. Um, Cliff. 
yeah, Cliff, thank you, Cliff Burton. So, which this whole album is dedicated to Cliff because they released it six months after Cliff died. Interesting. Um, so, I really do like that song. Part of it is the association with Cliff, and you know, you can just. I don't know. I just I like it. I think it's a good song. So I, I think that's one of the standouts of the second side, along with Indians. Indians might be the best song on the entire album. Um, I do like Cotton Amash and I Am the Law. And this is I will say that one of the things that stuck out to me on my initial listen to this oh so many moons ago was it kind of straddles things songwriting wise you can actually kind of get a sense that you know uh, and i don't know who wrote what off the top of my head whether scott ian wrote the lyrics to some of these or if it was charlie benati who was the the primary songwriter for the, the band it was probably a combination of them both but anyway is that these dudes are, are kind of nerds in a way that you know not that there's anything wrong with being a nerd i'm a nerd too or that way in ways that, present in culture then Oh, that's true. But it also was slightly different than the way that the other bands were, the other b- members of the Big Four. Um, yeah. Because Metallica's always kind of seemed like jocks, you know. True. Um, and where, you know, on here we have, like, they wrote a song about a fucking comic book with I Am the Law, the Judge Dredd comics out of the UK. The album cover, um, there is debate on whether that's Randall Flagg or the, the name, the preacher from the stand. But, you know. Um, skeletons in the closet and what is the other song um i think even among the living are both based off of stephen king works so there was a a an embracing of the real world with cotton amash which is about a sound tech of theirs who got pulled into a mosh pit against his will and the other songs which have more um pop cultural influences on them yeah, and you can see they continue that, you know, pop culture influences throughout most of their songwritings and stuff. Because yeah. even in worship music, they have a zombie apocalypse song. Oh, Attack of the Killer Beast. I mean, these these guys are, you know, legit out there trying to have fun. And yeah. I don't think that of the four bands, I would say they probably take themselves the least seriously. And I do like that. It's yeah. just, if we look at this in the context of the other three albums that we reviewed... And let me preface this by saying that if you look at Revolver or Loudwire or any of the other metal news sites, such as they are, you will see that this album ranks really highly among Anthrax fans. And maybe I'm just not an Anthrax fan, but this is nowhere near my favorite Anthrax album. And it is also of the 86 oeuvre. It's not my favorite of those either. That doesn't mean it's not a good album. I think it is a good album. You have a few points with it. Well, one thing I'm not a I except for on Indians and Cotton Amash, I really don't like Belladonna's vocals. I can see that his vocals. I feel like they are hit and miss a lot. And seeing him live now, it's kind of a hit or miss thing as well, especially. Well, I mean, we saw him live two years ago, which is a long time from '86, '87 when he was. (laughs) <laughs> at the top of his craft, but no. Um, with that said, things that I did like about this album, as we kind of jump all over the place, I love 
the rhythm section. Scott Ian, Charlie Bellinati, Frank Bellow, they are in such a lockstep. They play so well together. But that really gives the structure. And Dan Spitz is a pretty damn good lead player, too. So as far as the rhythm section of the band goes, if you take it as a whole, they might have the best rhythm section of any of these four bands at this time. Mm. I'm trying to think of who you compare it to. Well, I okay. Could... I don't think Frank Bellow is the basis that David Ellison or Cliff Burton were. I yeah. think Charlie Benatti's a better drummer. Than... I think he's probably the best drummer of the, all the four. Yes. yes. And The dude does it with such fucking ease. Just mm-hmm. choose bubblegum. Like, he literally choose bubblegum and kick ass, like, <laughs> throughout a show. And whereas I don't know that Scott Ian is um, the prodigy guitar player that, say, you know, James or Dave Mustaine or Kerry King or... Because, I mean, neither Kerry King um, or... Um, Jeff Hanneman are really in their heart rhythm players. They're both yeah. lead guitarists who, who switch off. Whereas yeah, I, Dave, you know, also writes really complex leads, even though I think he plays rhythm most of the time. He's considered the rhythm player, even though he also cranks out leads. Scott is a much better rhythm player than the other guys. I mean, he understands rhythm the way that he enters sections with it, I think, in my opinion, is better than Metallica, Megadeth, or Slayer. Yeah, I'll agree. And I feel like also that kind of gives him room to be in a weird sense of the heart soul of anthrax. Like if you ever see anthrax doing anything, Scott Ian is always involved with it. It's I would argue that Charlie is really the heart and soul, but Ian is uh, much more press friendly than Charlie. So uh, would you say Ian is the Stan and uh, Charlie's the Jack Kirby? <laughs> but yeah, you could say that. I think they would get a kick out of that too. We were talking about, you know, pop culture and their involvement with it. Scott Ian has been on, like, every of the, remember, the 90s, the 80s, the 2000s, the 70s, all of those VH1, remember the episodes and seasons they did? Scott Ian was always one of the special guests on them. I know he's done several times, like, played the zombie several times throughout The Walking Dead. I think he's also done a couple of cameos in Game of Thrones. And so, like, he's always been a nerd. He's, he's not one of those... Like, they're proud to show what they enjoy and like, hey, this is part of us and we're sharing it with you. Yeah. Like, they're the Kevin Smith of thrash metal bands. That's pretty appropriate, I think, because they also have a, you know, as Evil Need Confessing points out, they have a pretty good sense of humor. And if we ever do it, Attack of the Killer Bees, um, they have one on their nice fucking ballad. And it is so funny, in my opinion. So these guys definitely um, brought... Not only a, a sense of real world horrors and real world situations, but also that, you know, tied to the fantastic. Not that the other bands didn't. I mean, Metallica had the, the Cthulhu reference, you know. I, I'm pretty sure that a couple of guys in Slayer were probably in the comic books back in the day. Yeah. So it's just Anthrax embraced it earlier than I think the other bands did, or at least in a different way, in a, a way that was much more out there. Yeah, agreed. I feel like with Anthrax also, they are, it's not really arguably, but they're the least uh, popular or at least financially successful of the, or at least financially well off. I mean, they're successful, but the least financially well off of the big four, I would say. Probably, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't know. Metallica wins that hands down over everybody else, so I don't know where the other three would shake out necessarily. I have a sense of it, but I, you know, 
Yeah, like I know when you're probably that probably hurts them is the fact that those guys are all from New York and probably still live in New York. And I think part of it is as I know when they're talking about the Big Four and they were talking about lineup, like it was always Anthrax would be the opening act for them, and then it was a coin toss between Megadeth or Slayer, and then Metallica was finishing it up. And so, but I know the two, the three times I've seen these guys, they've always put on a good show. They always. You could still say, well, they love playing live, and they and they're real quick to call the crowd on its shit when they're like, you guys aren't really, you guys are just kind of sitting back and not doing anything. You should be more involved. Sure. Back to this album. I feel like, though, that Among the Living, Cotton Amash, and I Am the Law, and Indians are like four classics that have kind of reached classic level in, I guess you can say, thrash history. Yeah, I would not disagree with that. I'm trying to think of like of their earlier albums. Of this, what else kind of came off of them? But I'm drawing a blank. Well, I mean, I can think of other things, but uh, spoiler alert: we're going to be doing some more Anthrax before too long, so I will reserve my comments till then. Is there anything you really liked on this album? So the stuff that I really liked on this album, once again, I, I love the the songwriting in the way that the songs are constructed. Um, I could listen to Charlie Donati, Scott Ian, and Frank Bello play, and Dan, too. Uh, let's include him. I could listen to the band play all the time because I just lo- like their sound and how they construct stuff. Um, I like their sense of humor, the fact that they're engaging with, you know, the nerd shit that I was into back then and still am to a lesser degree. Joey is a fearless vocalist. I will say that because he actually goes really hard on some stuff that I don't necessarily think that he has the voice to, to do um, because there are points in these songs where, you know, he's like doing his attempt at the, uh, what we have been calling the air raid siren vocals and he just doesn't have the voice to get there. So that is, I guess my knock. Um, Cotton Amash, I Am The Law, and Indians are all three bangers. They are the standout tracks on this album. I also do like ADI and the horror of it all. But as an album, the rest of the tracks don't meet those three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my opinion. For me, I really enjoyed, in a sense, some of the simplicity that this album brought. Because, I mean, we're coming from Megadeth with Master... Or, I mean, Megadeth, P-Sales with Who's Buying, and Metallica, Master Puppets, and Slayer, Running Blood, in which all three of those are kind of like, here's the standard, here's the bar, and we're pushing to push that bar. And Anthrax comes in, kind of like, we're going to do our own thing, and we're kind of going to have fun while doing it. Yeah. I will say I enjoy that. I believe, especially amongst the 1986, that I think Among the Living is probably the most varied in sound. Um, with, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. With Rain and Blood being the least by far. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I can make a case that P-Cells is also as divergent in its sounds as this album. Yeah, I, I could kind of see it. I'm also thinking that Master of Puppets is varied a good bit, but there's some... Or maybe just Fire and Blood is the most freshest on my mind. And I'm just like, look at this all. Hope you like one thing, because that's what you're getting. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't feel like these guys are coming in and going, this is the bar that Thrash is set, and we are looking to push the bar to the next level. Like I feel like Masters and Brain and Blood kind of set out, and P-Sales kind of stumbled into. Hmm. Considering, you know, P-Sales, they just kind of put the album together and was like, oh, 
that's just shocking people like it a lot but but i feel like i do appreciate these guys kind of came in and did their own thing and they kind of like hey look we're a band but we don't take ourselves too seriously we're enjoying what we're doing and we want you to enjoy it as well well we also have to remember that even you know megadeth and metallica are both operating out of the 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 bay area um and dave had been in metallica as everybody knows so there's a certain amount of they're coming out of the same place Slayer's coming out of L.A., which is, God, about eight hours away, but still close enough as far as music goes that they were kind of influenced by the same thing and probably hurt each other all the time. Yeah. Whereas well, Anthrax is coming out of an entirely different music scene all the way across the country. Yeah, and this kind of our conversation about Biohazard when we listen to them about how Biohazard yeah. had all these different influences and you know yeah. their Punishment album or Punishment video has all these gang members and you could definitely tell their rap influences all with them. Like I feel like without Anthrax you don't have Biohazard. I feel like that's a safe oh, comment. Sure. That's a safe comment step. And you can also see that Anthrax has this very much more East Coast, Northeast vibe to it, as to opposed to the West Coast that you're getting with the other big four. Yeah, totally. There is something inherently New York about their sound, or at least Northeast, that I can't exactly describe, but I know it when I hear it. And I feel like it's kind of like the, the oh, you know, you typically have these stereotypes where on the West Coast, everything's just, oh, what's up, dude? It's all relaxing and calm. And you have these bands, Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, that are diametrically opposite of it, where they're serious and they're doing their thing. And this is what they're doing. While in the Northeast and the East Coast, like everything's so serious and everybody so takes their thing so specifically. And then you have Anthrax, you know, like, hey, we're just having fun, kicking back and relaxing, enjoying it. Yeah. And so I feel like you're kind of getting like, diametric outlets of the opposites of what's going on of like the stereotypical purview of the things going on that could very well be it and which these are probably could be outlets for them that they wouldn't have otherwise available which they're kind of bleeding through there all anything. right so uh, anything you didn't like about the album for me i feel like skeletons in the closet and nfl i'm just gonna call it nfl fall little like coming off of i am the wall nfl alpha nifs i know <laughs> whatever it is um evil like east confessing evil confessing yeah. is like that's a little bit of a step down in skeletons the closet is a major step down i think from their first three albums and then you get it picked up back with indians and then world world's okay and i don't have the attachment to adi horror at all like you do so mm-hmm. it didn't play that emotional attachment to me and i feel like they're all right songs, One World and ADI Horror All, but they're not phenomenal as a couple of songs in the album were. An Imitation of Life just kind of flittered by. I didn't really notice a difference from start to finish. Sure. But I don't have a lot. I don't really dislike what I heard a lot on this album. I just feel like some of the songs are weaker than... And I think it might be because of the three there, Among the Living, Cotton, Amash, I'm the Law. They set the bar so high that you're kind of like, oh... Okay, but it's not quite. I mean, it's definitely better than Reload by far, but it's kind of a similar effect. Like Reload had, oh god, what was it? Fuel, Devil's Dance, and Memory Remains, and then the rest of the album is just garbage. Like it's not that bad, but there is a couple of steps down following the opening of it. Like they get you hooked with the opening and the kind of yeah, a little hope with Indians, and yeah. if they could have maintained throughout the whole album, I think it would have been probably. One of the best albums of all time. Well, it's still a great album, but I do think it's it's definitely front loaded. Um, hmm, okay, that's fair. I think that it is a very good album that you see. Uh, again, it's just their second one with Joey, and Joey is the vocalist for the classic. 
lineup. Most people consider him the, the best vocalist. I'm going to put this out there now. I'm much more of a John Bush fan. I like the John Bush albums very well. Um, but, I mean, you know, this is that three-album um, classic lineup, period. This is when we're first getting into it. And I think that the the three tracks that you mentioned, or the four tracks you mentioned, uh, the only one I'm not as high on Among the Living as you are, but... Um, Caught in Amash, I Am the Law, and Indians, I think, are great songs. They are on my Anthrax playlist. This is an album review podcast. I think it's safe to say that normally I say you need to listen to the entire album. I would say listen to the entire album of this. I hardly ever actually do listen to the whole album, and I hardly ever listen to the tracks outside those three. So you see them rounding into form and the potential that they have that they will realize over the next few albums. But I... I think that uh, this album gets by a lot on nostalgia because it's probably the first Anthrax album a lot of people who are really into the band heard, and so therefore it has uh, a resonance with them that it doesn't necessarily have with me. Hmm. Interesting. I'll agree with you in the sense that you only really have to listen to is those tracks, but I do feel like they bring the album up overall comparatively. Like, they carry their weight plus some. Okay. Well, um, I guess it's time to rate this beach. Let's go with you. Let's go with uh, Mr. David Downer and see where he goes with this. It's a B. It's a B? It is a good album. There's not enough standout songs on it to make me rate it any higher than that, and I don't have an emotional attachment to the album as a whole to, to do the same. So. Okay. Okay. And I will give it a B plus. I, I like it a little bit better than you do. I feel like overall, I think I might like some of the tracks on here more as a whole than you do but i do agree that there are some standout tracks that you can kind of rip it and go but you're i don't think you're wasting time by listening to the whole album either i think but i also don't think it's not necessary to listen to the whole album sure and just for the those of you listening at home this is how we broke down the, the big four master of puppets i gave an a minus tracy gave an a Megadeth, Peace Sells But Who's Buying, I gave a B plus. Tracy also gave it a B plus. Slayer, Rain and Blood, I gave an A plus. Tracy gave an A. And then finally, Anthrax, Among the Living, I gave a B, and Tracy gave a B plus. Alrighty. So do you have a discussion about the big four as a whole and kind of Um, not really. I mean I think they're the big four for a reason. I think that there are other second tier and maybe we'll get a chance to get into them more in the, the new year or maybe we won't. Um of the like testament and exodus and other bands that are really really good that do not get as much pub as the big four not that i they're big four big four for a reason and i love talking about them and they're among my favorite bands so um let's let's call them big four feeder bands because it seems like every time somebody leaves a big four band they always pull from one of them (laughs) yeah that's true i feel like we have sufficiently covered the class of 1986 with the uh, dude who had to take summer school to make it through, but... <laughs> and, well, I mean, Anthrax is the juvenile delinquents of the group, so I guess that, that makes sense. But I feel like... I think I'm glad we did it, because, you know, a, the class of 86 played a big part. At least band, the big four, for me, played two specifically and one later on, and then one later, later on. Played a big part in like my music taste and how I felt about them. Because I don't feel like if it wasn't for Metal Kill Mall, I don't think I'd be stand, sitting here having this conversation. True, even though that's like the 83 album. But so. that's the one that got me into it and it just kind of, yeah. I said big four, so True. cover me on that. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, no, totally. I mean, in all these bands, like I said, they're they're legendary for a reason. They're all very good. Um, and that's very interesting taking and looking back on their early work. Yeah. Not I their will official say... album, but I mean, this is the, the first three albums of all the bands. So, yeah. And I feel like we're probably starting to hit that point in time. Like, we're seeing it with Slayer now. There may be a few more concerts, but like we talked about with the review, there probably won't be any more tours. Uh, I, I think, like, these guys are starting to hit the point where they're going to probably start calling a day and may just be packing up and going home. So, um, I am doubtful on that. You think so? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, hmm, well, here's the reason. I think, not that Slayer doesn't. So let me preface it by saying that not that Slayer doesn't love playing. I just think that touring got to be a grind. Yeah. And especially since, you know, one of the original members had died. The drummer had changed two or three times. But like the core of that was Hanneman, King and Araya. And then after Jeff was gone, I think that there's enough personality conflict between King and Araya that they didn't necessarily want to continue touring, especially given Araya's need for a CPAP machine and all that stuff. True. And I'm not saying that the other bands don't have that. But, but I was just going to say, we're probably going to start getting to the point in time where the likelihood of seeing them live gets less and less. And so if you want to see them, you probably have a window of a couple of years before time runs out i'd say it's probably more than that because i think that i mean the fucking rolling <laughs> stones are still touring i can't imagine metallic is going to hang it up anytime soon there is a special exception to rolling stones because mick jagger's like 75 years old and just popped out his 13th kid so i mean the dude still has child support to pay <laughs> right and i wouldn't be paying his child support alimony because that's probably fucking astronomical <laughs> <laughs> probably so so it might be you know the time to see the classic lineup before they have to replace people Probably. I mean, I would, you know, just even though I don't know, because the other bands, the other three bands have already replaced people. So it's probably not that big a deal to them. So I just think Slayer is unique in that way. Yeah. Well, I feel like if ever like Charlie or Scott hang it up, that band's done. Yes, I would agree with that. But I don't know that Charlie or Scott ever will hang it up. Yeah. James, I think, went into rehab. He might be out already recently for alcohol abuse again. And Megadeth I mean, is... He has a rehab bill to pay. Uh, Megadeth has just announced that they are planning on retouring this year, 2020. Um, cause I'm, just, I'm just wondering if they're going to burn through so many guitars that if there's going to be anybody willing left to play with them. There's always somebody. <laughs> and as far as I know, they haven't had to replace anybody in a while. When everybody in the band is a hired gun, they <laughs> you can do, do what you want. True. Can you imagine that Dave's just staying looking like you're late for work? Yeah. Hello, me. Meet the real me. All right, man. I guess that's everything. Um, yeah. So what are we doing next? Next, we are going to let me pull it up. We are going to, to continue on with my albums of the year kind of list, and we'll be looking at my number two for 2017, which is Embers of a Dying World by Morris Principium Est. Which I had Dr. Irvin translate for me as like, we love death or some shit like that. All right. That makes sense. (laughs) Well, we look forward to hearing y'all next time, people. Or seeing us. (laughs) Or listening to us. Something. Um, But but thank you for tuning in to this special Anthrax edition of Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Uh,